Hi, I'm Afton. And I'm Anna. And, and this, this is Grits, a podcast on the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Join us in reclaiming what it means to be girls raising the South. Mm-hmm. So let's get gritty. <laughs> <laughs> I just told Anna we're not we're not into podcasting for the money. So for those of you <laughs> We have to rational we love hanging out, but we're like <laughs> Okay, but Don't take let, yourself let's too just recap. <laughs> First of all, you and I started, we started our podcast eons ago. Wait, eons? Yeah, eons. eons ago. Before it was in the popular. Pump, in the pumpkin house. You were three houses. This was, mm-hmm. yeah, three houses before this one. Right. Yeah, I just, for me, it's, you know, I was thinking if we, if we, canceled grits and if i would see you and the answer was probably no which which like made me really sad so i thought okay well we're gonna continue it then <laughs> thanks <laughs> makes me feel really good now you know how my parents no. feel now you know we how my did, parents like, feel like the time we stopped doing grits was like the longest we went without seeing each other i know and it was sad again. it was really mm-hmm. sad and i and i i thoroughly enjoy the conversations i could care less no offense to all the griddles listening because all two of you but we <laughs> I love seeing you and I miss you and we catch up and I learn something and I walk away full, you know, full and we of life. Watch the bow and yeah. I not depleted, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's, and it, that's, that's really something, especially during the pandemic when you're, you know, trying to, trying to grasp something that gives you life. Right. Mm-hmm. Chris and I have started watching a lot of horror movies. We'll, <laughs> we'll end the night on a, on a casual Latin American horror film. And it's like, why am I doing that? And I realized it's because I want to feel something. Mm-hmm. So there's an element of melancholy to it a bit, but. Don't get me started on that. Okay. <laughs> well, updates. It's been two weeks. Uh, let me get to our run of show. There we are. All right. Okay. I guess I'll start. Mm-hmm. So updates. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to say to all my friends in Texas that are listening, um, I, one, I, I failed to check on you as quickly as I should have, and I'm sorry. But two, I'm just thankful that your power is on and you have running water, and I can't believe all of the stories I'm hearing out of the state. And what a just POS, Ted Cruz. No worries. Did he really think he was going to get away with that? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, like, your faith in your constituency must be... I think it's just, like... Can you imagine operating in life the way he does to where he's like, I can say anything I want to. And there's no accountability. Yeah. And do anything <sighs> I want to. Oh, my God. Any any uh, excellent clapback tweets that about the Ted Cruz debacle you'd like to highlight, elevate? You know, the one thing that comes to mind is a TikTok where someone was pretending <laughs> to course, be. <laughs> of course, it's TikTok. I, I've gotten, it is no, gotten, it's, it has gotten bad. I'm, I delete it like once a week and then I'm like, no, you in don't. a moment of weakness. I wake up an I'm, hour early before work to get on TikTok. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you my. Okay, yeah. I love like, I have been on so many different. So one thing, if you know me, you know, is I don't like to be boxed into anything. As soon as I feel like I have a label on me, like. You know, are you an introvert or extrovert? Even as simple as that, I'm like, I'm an extroverted introvert. Like, I have to have some type of complex label on myself. <laughs> anyway, so with TikTok, like, the algorithm changes all the time. Like, Does along it? with my mood, it's like a mood ring. Yeah. Like, I get oh, different, like, fun. I'm on, like, prison TikTok, then I'm, oh. like, on teacher TikTok. Oh. Then, yeah. It, it, uh, See, sober I'm, TikTok. So I have found wife TikTok is it's just it is a yeah it's it's deep and 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 very layered and I'm trying to figure it out 
I, for me, being in a relation, a long-term relationship, not being married, I just find it fascinating. It's like opening a window into mm-hmm. monotony and the daily life, you know, of, of families. I, I peep in, I'm like, why are you, why is this a problem? This is not a problem in my relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just find it, yeah. it's like, it's like these, these, these roles that they subscribe to, uh, and the way, yeah, I just, I find it, yeah. It really is, like, world-opening in a way that I don't think other social media is. Um, to me, at least. Like, I get to see insights into people, and it's just, it seems less, like, judgmental, I guess. So, yeah. I've been I've been deep in the If, if you don't do anything from this podcast other than learning something, maybe from Anna or I, uh, please, please check into TikTok. It is, yeah. I yeah. just, yeah. So, I had seen someone pretending it was like a comedy bit like pretending to be ted cruz's uber driver picking him up in texas and like <laughs> pretending that about the things he said like coming back from mexico like like anyway it was just that was the one the one piece that i found really funny i really haven't found the hate fueled tiktok corners do they exist um i think i got i've gotten to like the snarky the salty the, TikTok. Yeah, the salt I, TikTok. I got I got really deep on like um I guess it was like Southern liberal TikTok. Like I was getting so much of it, and it was just people with clapbacks all the time. And I was like, I consume political content all day long. Like I cannot do it. this on TikTok too. But it's like it'll always start with like a really inflammatory like Trump person saying something, and then the like Southern person like on a tractor is like. Well, little miss, I'll correct you on that one. Biden, da 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 da. And I'm like, I don't, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I find the like 200 uh, liberal farmers? And like, why am I watching their TikToks? <laughs> Farmer TikToks probably pretty ripe, pretty ripe. Yeah, for the there's there's a lot yeah. there. Yeah, so I I got on that like deep, like big time. And people, I mean, it really is touching though in a way of like people explaining their evolution and like how. Um, how simple it is to, to really follow, like, your heart and, like, I love other people. And then I realized that, like, Trump followers don't love other people. No, they don't. For the most part. And so they changed their minds politically and, like, how they felt so bad about what they believed growing up. And... Oh. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like that's, um, warms my heart. But it's a little too much for me. I'd rather hear about, um, murder. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna ask: Have you have you seen Millennial Mima? Or sorry, uh, what's her name? Mima. Her, her TikTok name is Mima or something. She's out and she's a southern. She's a southern personality. She has a very thick southern accent, and one of her TikTok videos uh, is about how southern women gossip, and it's and so it's her in two in two wigs, coordinating wigs, right mm-hmm. from each, and she's like. Mm-hmm. And did you know? And, and, and you're telling me. Mm-hmm. And I saw it. And it's just, and it's back and forth, back and forth. It is the funniest. We'll we'll link it in the pot. I mean, really, just just the the epitome of of funny TikTok, funny Southern TikTok. Yeah, I'll have to follow along. That's pretty good. Uh, all right. So other updates. Uh, so I have a few. Uh, one, I would just like to officially announce a big thank you to all of the small people that made this possible. Whataburger is coming to Nashville. Ooh. Yeah, it's a big. So 
you probably might not know this, but when I was in a sorority in Austin, uh, <laughs> oh my God, I ate so poorly in college. <laughs> I think back, I was, I was so heavy when I graduated because I would eat Whataburger three times a day. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I grew up on, on a street with a Whataburger. So okay. So I you, understand. Water you understand, you understand, you understand like, my plight. Okay. Yeah, a thousand times. So, uh, the property next to my sorority house, uh, they they tore down. I don't know if it was a Sonic. I forget what it was. The anticipation was building. I stalked. I feel so bad for those construction workers. I would walk circles around them and just be like, hmm, 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 hmm. and like, li- you know, listening in. Suddenly it becomes very clear. It is a Whataburger. My roommate and I showed up for the grand opening, and the grand opening day, I was there three times. They were like, okay, you really, you've really taken this to the extreme. I was so grateful. Anyways, Whataburger's coming to Nashville. Big, big, exciting moment for... Maybe we can have a grits meetup at um, I think that's an excellent idea, Anna. Actually, I think good, people yeah. would really like it. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, another story I had from this week, so... I was, I ordered lunch at Wild Cow, which is a vegan restaurant in in East Nashville, and I try to take Frankie out of the house, like any pug during a pandemic. He, one, his attachment disorder has become much worse since the pandemic, and two, he just needs a little air. So I put him in the car, threw him in the car, and it was a really nice day. It was post-snowpocalypse. Roll into the Wild Cow parking lot. I leave both windows open. I, 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 I didn't, I, I, he, I mean, I know he's agile, but I didn't know just how much. So I walk into Wild Cow, I'm inside the restaurant, and I had thought, and the reason I did this was because originally, at the start of the pandemic, Wild Cow was leaving the food outside, so you just, you know, quick grab and grow, grab and go, and back into the car. I'm inside the restaurant, and I'll, I look behind me, and Frankie's just like, <laughs> at the front door. <laughs> I thought I'd open the door, I'd grab him, he bolt into the restaurant all the way into the back, and all of you sitting here, oh my god, it's a pig! And like pots and pans are dropping everywhere. I'm like, it's something out of a ratat- ratatouille. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. I'm like, I'm sorry. And you're just like, pug leaves. I'm like, it's, it was something out of Jurassic Park. So anyways, the hostess brings it back, and I'm apologizing profusely. I feel so bad. And he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I just can't. So anyways, yeah, he's he's a problem. He had an adventure. Sure. Yeah, he did. Uh okay, and then my last update. So yesterday I my I finally saw my therapist in person, which was really exciting. She got her COVID vaccine shots. Uh and we kept six six feet apart. But I was walking Vanderbilt campus waiting for my appointment to to enter the building and I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking. All of a sudden I see a crumpled book and I'm thinking, oh, is this one, is this one for the library? A few more steps. Lo and behold, it is Governor Lee, Governor Bill Lee's autobiography. (laughs) And I lost it. First of all, Vanderbilt student, you need to be better than that. Come on, you're at a higher institution. Do better than Bill Lee's autobiography. So what did I do? I thought, oh, this is a perfect Twitter moment. So I took the book, took a picture of it, took a second picture of it, and then threw it in the trash. So, <laughs> and the tweet went viral. So we'll, you know, he's just, I, yeah, I don't know. The biography, I forget what it was called. Like the road we're on, the road we're on. It's like, I don't want to be traveling with you. 
I don't want to be traveling into however many COVID deaths we have in an FBI investigation. No fucking thank you. <laughs> He's a POS. It sucks because he'll be reelected by... Oh, yeah. yeah. He's very popular. And that's what people don't understand about Tennessee politics. It's like, hold him accountable. I'm like, you, you clearly don't understand what a state like Tennessee is about, but whatever. Take slow sip of wine. He's a good Christian businessman, don't you know? Oh, my God. Haven't you heard? I'm horrified. I, I also attended uh, a local organization that I really love, Healthy and Free Tennessee, Heather Lobby Day on Tuesday. And it was all these young activists who had never attended a lobby day or talked to a, a legislator. And uh, we watched a committee hearing on, it was like a health subcommittee and I was just, I'm so embarrassed about the state legislature. It's like, you know, they own, like, they own pools. Like, they're a small, like, they own, they have a pool business. And they're like, abortion in the state of Tennessee. And you're like, you literally have no public policy experience. It's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Kerry Roberts, God rest his soul. I've heard he's not doing well, but <laughs> he owns a bike shop. And he was the one that was pushing the Medicaid work requirements bill. It's just like... I don't know. I just, I've become more and more irreverent as I get older. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you should run for. No, I'll never run. No. <laughs> I, I have too many weird fetishes like chonky cats that I just don't want public. I want to be on the, <laughs> I'm going to be the back. What are your updates, Anna? Okay. My updates, you know, it's not super exciting, but um, I hate everyone. That's what the words say. I have been <laughs> struggling a little bit. Uh, it literally says, hate Rich, everyone. Uh, everyone listening to this pod, just pause for a moment and think have you have you crossed the threshold of just hating everyone in your life right now because if so ding, 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 you have reached year two of the pandemic congratulations we are here we are here yes along with uh getting into shape and then out of shape and then back into shape which is what i'm doing right now um i also hate everyone so i go from like being lonely to um extreme recluse reclusiveness i guess and I just burst into tears randomly every day. I don't know how much more I can add about that, but I'm in the hating everyone phase. Uh, I also, along with hating everyone, including myself, I have revisited the new season of American Idol, which includes uh, Claudia Conway, which, you Wait. know, bringing this full circle between First politics all, um, and TikTok. <laughs> I haven't watched American Idol since 1999, so. Oh, basically I haven't either, except now it's the pandemic and I'm so like, who's, I have who nothing to look forward to. Who are the hosts? Um, it is still Ryan Seacrest, he's still kicking, and Katy Perry, Luke Bryan, and Lionel Richie. What a cast. Yeah, it's actually kind of, like, a cool dynamic, but, like, I feel so old, and I feel so, like, I mean, it's really, really terrible, along with The Bachelor that I've been watching, so I've just been watching, like, terrible cable TV, but, you know, that's where I'm at. And I tried to rewatch Gilmore Girls, but I couldn't handle it emotionally. <laughs> It has such, like, a resonant place in my life. Like, I watched it at 4 p.m. after school. Everyone, like, every the, the devolution of, of, of your physical and mental state is, is we are here for you. We are here for you. Yeah, don't We are year two anything. of the pandemic. It's going to yeah. be year two this year. Okay, we're, yeah, almost March. It's going to be year two soon. And, and speaking of the pandemic, I visited the brand new Publix in East Nashville. We've all been waiting for this. This is so exciting. I love how, I love how it's, it's gone from club opening like new restaurant opening to like a new grocery store opening like we've really yeah I mean they were already the Kroger's so we have two Kroger's about what two miles apart 
you would always, no matter which one you went to first, you would have to go to the other one because something was missing from your... Yep, that's very true. <laughs> or order it, Amazon Prime. Like, you had to do something. To, you could never get all of your groceries at one store, no matter what, before the pandemic. And then with the pandemic, I mean, honestly, we were one of the worst. Like, the Eastland Kroger, like, every shelf was empty for probably three weeks when the pandemic it's first started. Declining empire, yep. And it really, like never got better so Publix opening was supposed to be great I made the mistake of going because of the storm we we actually ended up having to go to Kroger after but (laughs) Anna you can't think like a normal Nashvilleian that's like we gotta go to Publix yeah so I went I went to Publix mistakenly on the opening weekend and there was like a crazed woman without her mask on, like, breathing down my neck the whole time. Like, I was like, get away from me. She was older, too. Like, I don't know if she had gotten her vaccine or, like, what, but she was, like, and I, like, kept looking her in the eye, like, over my mask. Because you think eye like, contact is enough, is enough social pressure to even, Like, I'm not. shaming really you. Not. I'm shaming you. <laughs> but, no, it was so packed like you could not move and no one knew where anything was because it was a brand new Publix and it was horrible (laughs) I had the height of like social anxiety because I have not been around that many people it was like worse than exiting a concert and like trying to find your uber while you're like kind of (laughs) drunk like get me out of this freaking Publix like so we ended up at Kroger after that but that's it that's about as exciting as my life gets I cry spontaneously I watch really crappy tv and I am excited about a grocery store (laughs) Uh, but that's that's everyone else right yeah I I mean that's the let me know if you relate to me I think everyone relates to you I think everyone can relate to you so Oh, well, Anna and I, we've got excellent interviews lined up. Uh, We'll be recording with a group that created their own internet. uh, So look forward to that. Anna and I have really tried. We know you're sick of hearing just us. Uh, and so we've tried to line up some interviews. We're really excited about this. But for today's episode, Anna sent me an article that was entitled The Art of the New Old South by Tressie McMillan Cotton just you know a very nuanced perspective of the new south as Anna and I know it and so I think this was you know she I think she referred to this but it was actually a quote from a woman her first name is Amani I forget what her last name is but uh as as the south goes goes the nation this is the yeah the article the art of the new old south so you know what what um yeah why'd you send this to me I just really, I mean, I might feel a little bit of defensiveness because um, I think we're both in a unique situation where we are from the South and we came back to the South. So Mm. I feel like that is a specific type of person and also, or specific experience and also the extreme pride I felt about Georgia and Stacey Abrams' work and the kind of work that we do that somewhat aligns with that. So I was just thinking about how when I read this, it made me think of like how hopeful I am for the South and how the South can be a blueprint. Um, you know, as much as I tried to, as I've tried to minimize my Southern accent and, uh, make it an elite circles, it, you know, uh, Ivy league institution. And it just didn't feel right for me to go to New York or DC or any of those places. And not to say I won't end up in places like that, but I feel so strongly, um, about 
about the good parts of the South mm. and not just that I'm from the South, but I really think there's a lot to appreciate that doesn't always get its um, its full due in culture. And I think people use the South as a foil to say, like, at least we're not the South, even right, though they have right. really it racist being, yeah. policies. Yeah. And I grew up in a very diverse city and a very diverse um, schools and going to public schools. And I feel like I had a very unique experience even compared to other you know, low income or, or working class people in um, big bigger areas or bigger cities in the north and Midwest and West. So anyway, I, d- I was just reading it and I was like, this really appreciates the culture of the South and and, and kind of explains the, the new movement. And I also like in college um, wrote a long paper on Southern feminism mm. and like the idea of like a Southern matriarch. Like, although this doesn't look like the traditional culture or had the markings of the feminist of New England or bigger cities, like, there are some strong women in the South. Yeah. Strong women. And their leadership and their example and what they do for their families and what they do for the economy and what they do for culture, like, blow my mind. And I have so much appreciation for Southern women. And so I really want to see us celebrate the South and the good parts of it and keep moving forward to make it like honestly like a progressive beacon well I think there's also like there's less infrastructure on the left and so when you're like for example I I saw that uh, a democratic socialist of America chapter formed in Jackson Mississippi and it's like I think there's so much (laughs) well I think there's so much space to to be doing good organizing in the south and to you know, you have like you're you're the, <laughs> I mean, in Tennessee, like we have Republican supermajorities. There isn't really like if you're on the left, like there's so much space to be organizing and to bring people with you with the narrative that you have about a better world and a fifteen dollar minimum wage and what good jobs and good broadband looks like. And I feel like in other states, like that's just not necessarily the case. But I wanted to bring it back to, so this is a quote about people who are moving back to the South from the article. Right now, the South is making sense of two phenomena that are shaping how the region sounds and how it talks about itself. People are coming home and they're bringing their ideas about home with them to a place that has its own ideas about what all that means. Some returners are moving back to the South and others are a generation or two removed from a direct connection to the area. No matter the strength of their direct ties, new and returning Southerners are bringing a range of political and racial identities with them. And I this really resonated with me as, as a lot of you know, I moved back from uh, Switzerland after Trump was elected because of, I mean, I'll never forget, I was on the floor of UNHCR at my desk and reading, scrolling headlines about the Tennessee legislature filing a, a lawsuit against the Office of Refugee Resettlement because they didn't want to take mm-hmm. refugees. And I was, and I thought, how did I grow up in in the state and this and this is the public perception of it? I mean, it 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 hurt like it really viscerally hurt. And I think, you know, especially for me, I, I have found in organizing and in politics in the South, I, I am I'm very unique and lucky in that I have this world perspective that allows me to, you know, for example, like advocating for healthcare justice in, in Tennessee. It's like we have a national, there are developed countries that have nationalized healthcare systems. They never have to work. The, the word premium never enters the discourse ever. 
They don't talk about these things because it doesn't exist. Medical debt doesn't exist. And I've lived in countries where this happens and, I, and I'm brought back to Tennessee and it's like, why are we fighting for crumbs? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, it's like, and I think, you know, I, I want to credit all the people that stayed here, you know, not that it makes me, I don't think it makes me better or uh, uh, smarter for, for leaving. Like I just had the privilege to do so, but I think, you know, it's the old, you know, old adage, like with great power comes great responsibility. And I do feel like because I had the privilege and opportunities to see all of these systems, all of the policies enacted, you know, across the globe to bring them back to Tennessee and say, like, we can do this. Like, this is a microcosm of the world. Like the like this state is at our fingertips. And it's just so hard. And I think frustrating because you see people like we talked about who own, you know, pool businesses and they're making, they're creating policies about abortion because of their religious stance. And it doesn't do anything to help maternal mortality rates or to even decrease, you know, abortion rates. Like it's just, I I think it's incredibly frustrating as a young woman, but I'm really grateful because I wouldn't like, I don't think, I don't think I could have made the same dent or have been successful elsewhere. Yeah. What do you think? Because you have, I, I think, like, whether for good or for bad, like, because of where we're from, like, we have a perspective on what's going on that other people don't have. So we wouldn't want, you know, organizers from big cities or other, even other countries, like, coming into the South and being like, I just can't believe it. Y'all are so backwards. Mm. Like, we're able to understand, like, I mean, not that it's not frustrating, <laughs> by any means but I really liked when you said microcosms it reminded me of this other quote from the article that says the tension is about the south but it's also about the nation as it all as is always the case when southern culture has a spin in the national spotlight the conflict that makes good culture are the conflicts offloaded from other parts of the nation this region warehouses our nation's war with itself about citizenship class race gender immigration history and future the soundtrack is just a bonus that's talking about like the music from the south and how rich the arts and music are here but that made me think like they're able to separate it and almost because like in others in other states but I wonder like it almost could be because of the policies working a little bit better in other states that like because we're just bumping up against each other our medium wages are like lower I don't know like I've only other ever lived like Louisiana, Connecticut here. So those are all very different places, (laughs) different places. But like in Connecticut, it was very like town gown. And like, there was just never anyone anywhere close to you, even though like, it's a pretty low income city. Like, in my college, there was never anyone close to me that was like struggling. I had to like, actively seek out um, mentorship opportunities to like so what are you saying what does that say about the south what I'm what I'm saying is like we're just like all on top of each other so it's like almost like yes it's like the perfect place to like talk about all of these issues because in a town let's say for example with like citizenship and immigration like in a small town not necessarily Nashville but closer to like maybe towns around where I grew up I grew up in a small city but like there's gonna be maybe four or five restaurants max and one two maybe three of those are owned by immigrants right to be honest like i mean that's really like the honest reality yeah and you're going to love that person they're going to be in your youth group yeah but then they vote but then they like they vote against their interests yes for sure like i mean the immigrants don't vote against but like people in the community will vote 
against really the interests of their, right. of their neighbor. Yes, for sure. Because they're, they're, but like, that's the reality on the ground is that, I mean, at least my, I'm only going to talk about my experience, but in Louisiana, like I grew up very integrated and very diverse. Like my middle school was more diverse than my college. Mm. Mm. Because we have a med school, so I all the, like, doctors, kids. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. But, like, I mean, we had people from many nations and, like... Well, I think people, I mean, obviously working in national political circles, like, folks really think of the South as a monolith. But I think the author of this article intimates that the Georgia elections really dismantled a lot of that monolithic thinking from voters outside of the South. And I think... Like, I always hear from, you know, rural organizers that they hate when, you know, white, white voters at diners are interviewed about Trump. And that's really not the South. Like, the South that we know is incredibly diverse. The South we know is West Tennessee that is predominantly black and, like, have their own, you know, systems of doing things. And the the South that we know is, you know, the deep South, like the Gulf, the Gulf South, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, you know, I'm grateful that Georgia has shown that the South can shine. I hate that there has to be some emblematic success <laughs> that mm-hmm. people take the South seriously, right? Yeah. But today I was on a conversation with a, a national rural organizer who uh, we were comparing. The, she was asking me questions about 2020 and lessons learned. And I think when she asked the question of, you know, where do we invest next? And for me, it, it's the deep South. Like, it's these... You know, majority minority states like Georgia that have been written off because they're last in everything. You know, the mm-hmm. joke is, I don't know how it is in Louisiana, but in Tennessee, it's like, oh, Mississippi's always last. Like, that's a joke. Mississippi, Alabama. And like, you don't have, the, they're incredibly disenfranchised, right? But you have states that have so much potential. And I think that's why mm-hmm. I moved back because I saw like, there was so much potential in a state like Tennessee to do so much good organizing, right? Because mm-hmm. there there isn't infrastructure. It is it is almost the Wild West, right? Like, you're able to build out the things you want to see, and you're able to have a voice because they're just, you know, it's not like New York or California where there's a lot of Democrats and there's a lot of liberal-slash-progressive infrastructure. It just doesn't mm-hmm. exist. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's just so much... Um, I feel like the the tribalism of the South, like... In a way, and maybe this is just me being optimistic, but I feel like the tribalism of the South can be used for good in a way that overrides, like, party solidarity. What do you mean? I think that in organizing, you have the ability to take some of the... And and maybe not everyone would see these as universal identifiers of community in the South, but being rich or flashy is not like accepted (laughs) it's like I think it's more humble I think the south is more humble wages are lower like that's like I've also seen this on TikTok but like the idea of being someone with a college degree in like a really small town in the south is like really frowned upon you don't talk about it yeah Yeah, and I don't I don't ever mention like if I ever mention my background like to anyone in town it just totally changes their perception of me for the negative there is a humility there's a deep humility Yeah. yeah yeah And there is a, at least in Louisiana, there's a very, like, community-driven spirit of, like, 
we party like hard with each other like doors open backyards front yards <laughs> like in the street neighborhood block parties like it is a thing like everywhere it's like very 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 like this is new like new orleans spirit you know and that is something i've seen like that niceness and that acceptance and the like everyone i've known who's like taken in I've known so many people who have taken in other people's kids, like, into their home and help people out. Like, there's such a strong network of just, like, helping people who need help. Right. Obviously, there's a political, there's, like, a political overtone of, like, the deserving and the undeserving poor or whatever you want to call it. But, like, more often than not, when you're put up it, up against it, you may vote one way or think one way theoretically but when you're put up against it in your life, your actions are so much more accepting or, like, care. There's so much caregiving in the South. Which like, is strange because... Because I, we need it because they don't pay for, like, nurse in-home nursing care or oh anything. Oh, my God, like, yeah. Home health care workers. I mean, it's it's such it's such a departure from, my, from, I think, what people outside of the South think of the South. And the way that we really nurture the identity of this region and we fight tooth and nail for when we when people pour shame or vote shame. And I think it really takes being from here and investing your time and energy into this region to to create the vision that you want to see that you have that leverage to say that and to fight back. Mm -hmm. And I think like especially I mean, and once again, I hate that I, I love, obviously, that we won the Georgia Senate races, but I hate that <laughs> that it had to take 10 years of investment of Stacey Abrams and black organizers in Georgia to say, you should invest here and we promise we'll flip it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it shouldn't be that hard. It should not be that hard. The South is, I think, the most important region in the country. I mean, you have... Republican supremacies in every state that limit any, any inch of progress, whether legislative, electoral, and, and it's so ripe for organizing. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, the, the often when I think national donors or people turn their noses up, you're missing opportunities to do deep organizing in a way that will be so prolific and, <laughs> <laughs> and and monumental. I mean, yeah. literally, yeah. I think if we were to flip some of the seats, even if they stayed Republican, that's the thing for me. It was like, it doesn't even have to be like, let's just get more teachers in, more right, right, like like more identities than like leaders, small like, business owners, small pool business owners. Yeah, because it's just like they've solidified these identity identities. Like if you look at the legislators and their bios and like their affiliations oh it's like God. still nra i'm like the country gave up on this two years ago like the i NRA know imploded. i know they're living they're living in the 80s yeah like the their interests and their affiliations are like so dated and but no one has the capacity to target these districts as like but there's important. no there's no accountability because they're in incredibly gerrymandered districts where there's no way to even but I, I think we, I mean I think we've shown generally like I would say like nine times out of ten that when there is two two conservative options and one is like more moderate and the other one's like more extreme 
I think there's possibility to move it to the moderate. Okay, we'll say that to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, okay. (laughs) Yes, you're you're right. I mean, in the South, it's like, and and that's because in primaries, and for those of you who aren't electoral, you know, that's not where your capacity is. In, in what happens in the South is that you have the most radical people running in primaries and winning because primary elections drive out those types of voters yeah. that are more radical in their thinking and more radical in their conviction. And you end up with the most radical extreme of the party. Yeah. And candidate. And then I feel like they they radicalize each other. Do you think that's true? I feel like maybe if there's just like Joe Schmo who rides his tractor in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee... And he's, like, generally okay. He doesn't have a lot of political opinions besides the ones that are orthodox, like, for Tennessee. And then he gets around a bunch of these, like, like Lamberth, who, like, literally is, like, a blowhard. Like, the biggest blowhard I've ever seen. Like, then he's, like, okay, well, he says We're going to provide a picture on social media. It just, like, he looks like a porcupine. Like, he, I mean, he's, like, The smallest, like, imagine, like. Oh, no, a chinchilla. He looks like a chinchilla. (laughs) But, no, he, like, like this energy and then you and then it activates a party loyalty because you hear a democrat going wait 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 what do you say what do you mean there like in the hearing and then like all the republicans like like bow up like <laughs> i'm doing a motion like we're gonna you're right yeah even they, if we don't even if we don't agree with they this. join the team because right. and i mean maybe they do i'm not trying to let them off the hook for what they believe because i believe that there's a lot of things that are horrible but i do think there's a lot of like team sports and I think that there are ways to trigger values. I'm sounding so optimistic. Like values and just like Southern identity. But they've won. But they've won the narrative. They've yes. won the narrative yeah. war. But we can have all the good parts and still be progressive and still claim the South. And they can't say go to New York or whatever because we're freaking from here, <laughs> right? The South. Well, I wanted to. So the other the. Uh, other cultural identity this article touches upon is country music and this is obviously near and dear close to Anna and I's heart because mm-hmm. we live in Nashville and there's been uh recently uh written many think pieces on lower Broadway and these cultural institutions of Nashville that are really becoming corporate hacks um corporate conservative hacks like kid kids kid rocks honky tonk and the soul of Nashville is slowly being uh sucked out But anyway, so this article um, discusses how, I'll just read this first, the country music changes are some of the most fascinating of the cultural shifts happening around the South. Uh, Superstar Maren Morris recently thanked the black women of country music during her recent country music awards acceptance speech. Um, This is a first in the genre that isn't just conservative, but has aggressively cultivated fearful artists and colorblind ideology to placate their skittish white rural listeners. For the past, so... For those of you who don't know, there is a big, <sighs> an all-out brawl between the Country Music Awards and what's the other one? The American, there's the other. I ACMs forget. and the CMAs. I don't know what they stand for. American Country Music. Okay. Yeah, ACM versus CMAs. And so one includes more of the folk artist community, such as Jason Isbell, Amanda Shires, the High Women, which includes Martin Morris. The, I think... Particularly, this touches on the racial identity of the South and how country music either how country music music is adapting to that. But I think it's really this. I found this uh, 
this tweet surfaced a few weeks ago about Willie Nelson and Toby Keith, which I think are symbolic of old country versus new country, right? And as we think of, like, old country, we think of Willie, Chris Christopherson, the outlaw West, right? And and now we have Florida Georgia Line. They're incredibly racist. I think, like, there was an... No, actually, one is racist, one is one liberal. Is one oh, is liberal. that's good to know. Yeah. Well, there was an article in Vanity Fair about uh, post-insurrection, how a lot of uh, contemporary country music wives stuck up for folks in the, in mm-hmm. that, that had... Uh, it's just, like... Yeah, it's, it's just a shitty. Yeah, it's a it's a shitty culture. Anyways, I thought this story was so funny and I just want to read it for our listeners because you'll probably never hear it. And it's so funny. So this is an excerpt from a 2009 Rolling Stone profile of Chris Christopherson, which was written by Ethan Hawke. And it's about uh, Willie Nelson's 70th birthday concert and Chris Christopherson. And I just like I have to read it because mm-hmm. I want I want this to be on grits for in perpetuity yeah okay up from the basement came one of country music's brightest stars who shall rename name who shall remain nameless I, i've done that before where i missed this word <laughs> at that moment in time the star had a monster radio hit about bombing america's enemies back into the stone age happy birthday the star said to willie breezing by us as he passed christopherson in one long confident stride out of the corner of his mouth came None of that lefty shit out here tonight, Chris. What in the luck did you just say to me? Chris growled, stepping forward. Oh, no, groaned Willie under his breath. Don't get Chris all riled up. You heard me, the star said, walking away in the darkness. Don't turn your back on me, boy, Christofferson said, not giving a shit that basically the entire music industry seemed to be flanking him. The star turned around. I don't want any problems, Chris. I just want you to tone it down. You ever worn your country's uniform? Chris asked rhetorically. What? Don't what me, boy. You heard the question. You just don't like the answer. He paused just long enough to get a full chest of air. I asked, have you ever served your country? The answer is no, you have not. Have you ever killed another man? Huh? Have you ever taken another man's life? And then ask the question, you have not. Have you ever then cashed the check your country gave you for doing it? No, you have not. So shut the fuck up. I could feel his body pulsing with anger next to me. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Whatever, the the young star muttered. Ray Charles stood motionless. Willie Nelson looked at me and shrugged mischievously like a kid in the back of a classroom. Christofferson took a deep inhale and leaned against the wall, still vibrating with adrenaline. He looked over at Willie as if to say, don't say a word. And then his eyes found me. You know what Waylon Jennings said about guys like him? He whispered. (laughs) I shook my head. They're doing the country music. Oh, God, I got to cut this out. They're doing the country music. What pantyhose did to finger fucking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the story, so as soon as, I mean, there was so much traction about race relations and country music these past mm-hmm. few months, right? Yeah. And this, it just kept, like, this kept percolating to the, like, simmering to the top of the Twitter sphere. And it's such a, you know, I think, like, especially for a lot of white men that seek, you know, it's like, my wife and my daddy light, and I'm here, and you're beautiful in the country light, and it's like, that's not what country is. And you and I live in the epicenter of country music, and mm-hmm. I've really felt, I think, this push and pull of country music and race relations post-George Floyd protest, it's really been, I don't know, I've just loved sitting uh front side like court side to watch it unfold mm-hmm. 
Yeah, talk about, like, identity politics with, like, Toby Keith trying to, like, <laughs> like, glom on to, like, veterans. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and Chris Christopherson's saying, you've you're never served a phony. A, yeah, like. you're such a phony. Like, you've never served a day in your life. And, like, I don't know. I just, like, something's got to give. And I think, like, the South, it's really it's really reckoning with its identity it, it always is like it's it's mm-hmm. it, it always is I mean and it, it informs like when eyes are on it from around the country and also like as we operate we have a role to play and I also wanted to plug selfishly <laughs> um there's a black country music artist that I went to I didn't go to high school with him but we had mutual friends and we were around each other in high school but his name is Willie Jones oh okay we'll plug him in the pod please listen to his music it is so 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 good yeah willie jones from shaveport so you know what what would be like what what would you want folks to get out of this article they're not going to read it but get get the griddle take on it if you do read it i hope it just opens up i know not everyone wants to be introspective and think about where you're situated in society and whatever like class strata than your regional class politics of um you know, the situation that you're in. and But if you are from the South, you don't have to forsake all Southern culture for the sake. Because like, you hate the racist pieces. Yeah, like, I feel that sometimes. Like, I'm like, I'll just move to where everyone around me thinks like me. I'm just going to move. I hate that reaction. But it, it, yes, I just... Yeah, but at the oof. same time, like, I know that I'm not fully seen in those spaces. Like, I am truly country like i love my cowboy boots i love country music i go to country concerts all the time like and you're I and we're about pro, you're pro labor like yeah you're pro and it's pro solidarity are small business owners like yeah. like we grew up like i grew up outside of city limits in a country area like whatever like 18 acres i think or something like that a well all that stuff like i grew up in the country you know really and come from country families my whole family's in oil like i'm not saying like these are my like i'm not saying like i have credentials or whatever but you but, like, do but, but you like, do i'm saying but i still get to be progressive so you have permission yeah i'm basically just and saying, you can like, be you and you permission. can be southern and it's like and you fight and, and what that means in your daily life is like you stick up for the south yes you you, and you can put you on your loathe, red lipstick yeah and you, you put can... on your red lipstick you loathe the terrible the the terrible identities of the south but you build to make it better you don't flee yeah it's not like i feel like it like we it's like a popularity contest or like what's cool or what's in and out and like in like progressive circles like that's the one thing like there's like the inside culture like elite culture that regardless of income there's like a lefty elite culture that's I mean it may not be super lefty but like in the grand scheme of things but for America it's lefty and it's like it includes like an adjunct professor making barely any money but yet a small business owner in the south is in the working class right even if they make way more money but own your southern identity speak out for yourself like speak out for what you want and don't be embarrassed by it don't be embarrassed by it because you know what like people (laughs) you've got to accept things as they are and you've got to move on and you make things better and trust me i've met enough people that you don't know you may not know even for the first year of your relationship or the first whatever but they'll reveal it to you that there are a lot more of us than we think (laughs) 
even if we're not. <laughs> you're a lot like, more southerners than you think. Well, like no, like southern progressives. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Where yeah. like you may not think that they think that way, or they may not even be politically active, but then you like start to get hints, and you're like, wait, are you like my hairdresser or something? Like you know, you're just like. Seeing eye to eye, and, and the just, more like, and the more you're open about it, and the more you talk about the South that you want to see, I think the more people have buy-in, right? Like if they're yeah. only hearing about this Trump white monolithic South, like it's not the reality. I mean, for some folks, that's maybe the reality in front of them, but like. I'm always talking about, like, this beautiful, diverse, progressive South that, like, I want to see. And eventually, maybe it will materialize and yeah. come to fruition. So, be, so. be a messenger. Be a, you know. Be a cultural. Cultural. I had a great uh, uh, high school teacher that taught Appalachian Studies. And he had was like, holy. And he's like, be cultural steward of Appalachia. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I will. Anyways. Um, all right, grits gratitude. God, Anna, oh, we thought so we were gonna be thirty okay. minutes. I am grateful for um, the yummy dinner we're about to. Eat. Ooh, I bought some steak. I'm so thankful you're not vegan. I would lose it. <laughs> I don't even have. Sometimes. Anyways, I bought some steak. We're super excited. Anyways, it was a treat. I'm grateful for. I think what I've realized this week, all the people that believe in me. I was talking to Anna about. Just being a, a female in a professionalized society and how we are taught that we don't deserve money or power and the reckoning with that. And so I'm just really thankful for all the women that support me and believe that I can accomplish greatness uh, along with Anna because that's what, you know, it's your girl squad. It's the girl squad who you've got around you. So... Mm-hmm. All right, everyone, uh, we'll see you in two weeks. We've got an excellent interview lined up about building your own internet, so stay tuned. Perhaps you will be able to uh, cut off your AT&T or Time Warner contract. I guess that's one and the same. But <laughs> Yeah, they're all, like, the same company. Yeah, they're all, like, it's, yeah, it's vertical integration, whatever. All right, everyone, uh, we'll catch you in two weeks. Bye! Oh, you're going to say goodbye. Okay. Hey to our griddles and our family at the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Be sure to check out the other podcasters in the network who are doing the Lord's work in the state of Tennessee. Find the good stuff at www.tnholler.com and be sure to subscribe and support the Holler while you're there. Follow the Holler to keep up with what's going on here in the state at the TN Holler on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow Grits at Grits Podcast. Keep, keep it gritty. gritty. Bye.